My name is Chad Greenway, former Minnesota Viking linebacker, um, Pro Bowl linebacker, uh, former Iowa Hawkeye, and uh, now and, and president of the Lead the Way Foundation uh, since 2008. Um, and this is my episode of For the Athlete. You're listening to For the Athlete, a podcast aimed at humanizing the athlete by giving them a platform to control their own narrative and tell their life stories. As always, here's your host, Brooks Huber. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to For the Athlete. I'm Brooks Huber, and today I'm joined by Minnesota Vikings legend Chad Greenway. Chad, it's so great to have you on the show. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm uh it's a joy to be on with you. Um, it's fun to hear that uh, you got started Miss a while ago and you've been enjoying it. And, um, you know, obviously he's a North Dakota guy. I'm a South Dakota guy. So us Dakota guys have to stick together, as you know. So uh, thanks for having me on. And it's a joy. Of course. Well, yeah, if I had to pick a guy who resembled the Midwest the best, it wouldn't be the you betcha guy, even though we went to the same high school. It would be you. <laughs> you grew up in South Dakota, went to college in Iowa, stayed with the Vikings for all 11 years. You must love living in the Midwest, don't you? Yeah, either that or I just, you know, I'm, I'm opposed to warm weather, I guess. Um, love the cold weather. Uh, yeah, as you said, um, grew up in a small town in South Dakota, um, Mount Vernon, to population about 368 people to be exact, as the, as the sign says. Um, I had one scholarship offer to the University of Iowa. Um, obviously, it was a pretty easy college decision for me with the one I had um, <laughs> back then when I was coming out of school, NDSU, UND. USD, STSU are all uh, Division Two. obviously really good football programs, but they are Division Two. so my goal is to play Division One, and I got that one opportunity, and then uh, when I got drafted, I didn't realize how lucky I was to be a Viking, um, but, you know, when you start having kids and, and uh, create a family, and then you want to see grandparents, to be so close to home and where I grew up, and then also have all my friends and family be able to come up and support uh, all the games was really incredible, so very, very lucky guy. Man, I really wish we would have gone to University of North Dakota. My Both my parents went there. My dad played football there. Would have loved to see you be a Sioux at the time. Now they're the Fighting Hawks. But you end up getting an offer there or because um, they're D2 or just just Iowa? Yeah, so um, the D2 schools were kind of uh, – they were all kind of a little slow to offer me. They were kind of waiting to see what I was going to do. USD and SDSU had definitely um, talked about giving me a scholarship but not had formally offered me. And then and UND and NDSU, both schools, really liked me to play multiple sports. I was a, a four-sport athlete coming out of high school, which most you know most kids are in the Dakotas. They play a bunch of different sports. And uh, so I was going to try to play basketball and football. Um, so, yeah, UND had a lot of interest in me coming out of school. What could have been, right? Uh, yeah, let's talk about South Dakota. You said you said you were bo- you were born on a farm. Uh, how did growing up there mold you? Not into only the monster you were on the field, but the person you are off it. Yeah, I mean, I think growing up on a farm gave me really every advantage I think you could ask for. Um, you know, I grew up um, on a hog and cattle farm. You know, we we've, we we uh, also raised corn and, and soybeans um, and farmed those. So. Uh, a lot of a lot of expectations of, of of good work ethic. A lot of expectations of getting out of bed early and, and grinding with your parents and your sisters. Uh, in my case, um, great community to grow up in. So everybody kind of had your back and had to, and and so wanted to support you, whether it be in athletics or whatever you were doing. Um, so I had such a great support system and network. Um, and I often say, like when I went to school in Iowa, like you know the fact that I no longer had to do chores or get up and do these other things. You know, my life became pretty easy when it was just. Uh, you know, academics, football, um, pretty simple life. So, you know, obviously growing up on a farm, make uh, you can make the hard things 
look a little easier uh, just because of, of the work ethic and background. So that certainly was an advantage for me. Yeah, work ethic is a big thing that you learn on the farm. I have cousins who work on the farm still. Uh, they love it. They have a great time with it. From high school, you went to Iowa, balled out there for four years, and then got drafted in the first round by the Vikings. However, you didn't miss your rookie season with the torn ACL. How did overcoming that help you overcome other obstacles in your life down the road? Yeah, I think uh, anytime you think life is just going to be smooth sailing, you know, life will, life will smack you. I mean, there's always something that pops up, no matter how great you have it or how, how much money you have or much, whatever, how much fame or celebrity. Um, life comes at you fast. And, you know, for me, um, the setbacks I endured during my football career with injuries was a great example of how to learn how to come back from injury, how to come back from, from you know, a mindset that, that uh, maybe you were down and out, you, you, were, you know, just had a tough, tough break. And that idea of like coming back and persevering and pushing through um, really is what kind of really embodied my whole career. And I think um, kind of being the underdog and kind of having that mentality on my shoulder that I was going to say, hey, I'm going to go overcome, I'm going to go achieve these things. Yeah, I think that kind of comes from being, from being in a small town and kind of having that mentality of I'm just going to go out and work people. And, and uh, so that mentality really served me well. And I think, you know, sport, you know, obviously I got to play for a long, long time, which is really incredible. But um, sport teaches you a lot about yourself and a lot about life. Um, and I think the biggest revealing thing about, about sport is it just reveals your character, what you're made of. And, um, you know, for me, uh, I now use that and utilize that in kind of helping with my helping my kids in their situation. So yeah, I mean, it's, anytime you get a chance to uh, get knocked down, it's always great to show the world that you can get back up. Yeah, you mentioned you're helping your kids out. Your daughter's a phenomenal basketball player in her own right right now. Did she get a lot of your genes, or how did that work out? <laughs> yeah, I think she got a good combination. My wife was an athlete as well. She ran track and cross country at the University of Iowa. Um, is just a competitor. Um, she played a bunch of sports growing up as well. So I think. Uh, our girls get a, a good competitive spirit. They love to compete. They love to challenge themselves. They work really hard. So uh, they're, you know, but we do encourage them to do multiple sports. So uh, all of our girls, we have four daughters. All of them, you know, play soccer. All of them play basketball. Uh, they'll all run track. So again, being very multiple and being athletic is is really, I think, important. I think the the lesson I try to teach the kids is obviously the more more teams you're on the different type of social uh, environments you're going to be in and social constructs around like your level of play within that team. And it helps you adapt and adjust, which is really kind of indicative of life. And whether you're working in an office or part of a team or you're working towards a goal um, to have those experiences through sport is, is just the biggest advantage you can really have. And obviously it's, it's fun when they're, they're talented, they work hard. And um, you know, as you mentioned, my oldest daughter is she's a sophomore in high school and she's doing quite well with basketball. She's also a great soccer player. So it is fun to watch them grow uh, into, into being young athletes and competitors. And my next daughter is a seventh grader and she's doing the same thing. So um, a lot of great things come from sport. Of course, of course. Let's go back to the Vikings. I mentioned how you got drafted by them. What was what was going through your head when you got the phone call? And were there are some, any other teams that were trying to get you out of the Midwest? Yeah, I mean, when I came out of, out of the college, you know, he's, he's such a whirlwind. Um, you know, you go to the NFL Combine, you go to the Senior Bowl, in my case. Um, you know, you kind of meet and learn all these teams and these people. And, you know, I was an NFL fan, but you don't start to learn the kind of the, the depths of the NFL until you really get into the thick of it. So when you're kind of coming out, I mean, the only other Midwest team um, that was coming after me was St. Louis um, at the time, now obviously L.A., 
And, um, and that would have been a nice spot to go to. But, you know, really the, the Giants were interested, the Packers were interested, and the Vikings. And, um, and that spot where I was going to probably get picked was kind of that middle of the first round, you know, as high as maybe 10, as low as, you know, end of the first round or into the second. So it kind of just fell upon where those teams picked. And I got a good indication in my pre-draft visit that the Vikings were really interested and just based on how they talked. And, and I knew they were sitting there at that spot. So um, looking back now, when I have some perspective as kind of being beyond the situation, um, there were some indicators definitely leading up to the draft where the Vikings were really interested, just the way they talked about me and my, my game and how it would fit into their system. And then, uh, you know, Coach Mike Tomlin was a defensive coordinator at the time, who's been a longtime Steelers coach now. Um, he was an unbelievable uh, defensive coordinator that came from Tampa and that Tampa 2 system, which is a system that I ended up playing in Minnesota for a long time. So um, it was just a, it was a great fit for me. Extremely lucky to be a Viking um, and get my career started that way. Yeah, one time it sucked as you would have been a Packer, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know what? At the time, you just go with whatever, you know, whoever drafts you, you become a fan of them immediately, obviously. You don't really get to – you kind of have to cut ties with whatever you had as a kid. Um, but I can say, honestly, now, looking back at being a Viking for life, um, yeah, it would have sucked to be a Packer. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Vikings fans are going to love that. I have a bunch of fa- uh, friends that are Vikings fans, so they'll love to hear that. Were you a Vikings fan growing up? Because lived in South Dakota. There's not too many teams around, obviously. Vikings are the closest. Yeah, I think I was you know, kind of the sign of the times. I was kind of like a bandwagon 49ers fan because the 90s, the Niners were so good, and they were always in the in the big games. And, and uh, we got a lot of their games, actually, in South Dakota because of just they were always in that late game or the or – the, the Monday night games. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, the Vikings were on every Sunday. So, I mean, you just kind of by just way of, you know, just immersing yourself into that team because they were always on and you always either, you either hate them or loved them kind of where I grew up. And, and I, and I was kind of in the middle on that. I wasn't like a crazy Viking fan, like a rabid one, but I definitely followed the team and, and paid attention to everything that was going on. So to, you know, for, for a lot of my friends, and family growing up, they were just massive Vikings fans. You know, for me to get drafted was just uh, incredible. And they just, they found themselves to be so lucky to be able to, you know, then they get to come to a lot of games and be a part of the whole situation. It was pretty fun. That's almost storybook that you ended up going yeah. to a team that everybody around you loved. Um, speaking with player of the Vikings, you played with some great players in your career there. Uh, who was the best player you played with either on defense or practice on in offense. Yeah. I mean, you look back at uh, the, you kind of look back at your career and you kind of forget all the people you played against and with, you know, it's like, cause the years go just fly by and they just, um, there's so much turnover on NFL rosters, you know, year to year. So I, I think it is um, interesting to kind of look back at that. And um, you know, what, what you look at is Steve Hutchinson offensive guard just went in the hall of fame offensively. Um, Adrian Peterson, um, incredible athlete, going to be in the Hall of Fame soon. Um, Jim Kleinsaucer, incredible tight end, North Dakota product, was just an incredible guy. There we go. Um, team leader. <laughs> yeah. And um, so a lot of – I played with so many great guys. Obviously, Brett Favre for two years, which who was an incredible player, and, and you get to see and watch him. Um, defensively, you know, Kevin and Pat Williams, the Williams wall was incredible to play behind. Uh, they made me significantly better. Um Got to play with Jared Allen, who is an incredible player, who will be in the Hall of Fame soon. Um, I think the, probably the best defensive back I played with was Antoine Winfield, who was just 
an absolute unsung hero and one of the best corners to ever play in Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, as far as the guys I get to play with, just some incredibly talented people, some great, some great people, and um, you know, some guys who will, will go down in history as some of the best players ever and go in the Hall of Fame, which is pretty dang special. Yeah, I totally forgot that Jared Allen played there. You know, he played for the Chiefs, Panthers, and Vikings. He was a legend there too. Like he was, he was so good into the quarterback. And then Antoine Winfield, his son, now plays for the Bucks. So you definitely play with a lot of great players. Um, I would like to take this time to talk about our sponsor for today's episode. You see behind me, I have a signed Deion Sanders jersey. Pristine Auction is a proud sponsor for the athlete. They are one of the largest auction houses for sports memorabilia and collectibles. They have thousands of items ending daily. Go check Pristine Auction out and use registration code FTA for $10 off your first purchase. The link is in the description. Thank you, Pristine Auction, for sponsoring. Let's get back to your playing career. You made the playoffs a couple times in your career. Am I allowed to ask about what happened in, in the Seattle game? Or, or is that, or is that you know, in the past? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a couple of games, um, fortunately or unfortunately, that uh, you kind of will never forget. And, you know, certainly the first one to be 2009, the NFC Championship game against the Saints. Um, you know, felt like we were the best team in football that year. Felt like we were the best team in that football game. And sometimes... Um, you know, you don't win those games. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, it's it's a it's a tough out. Um, well documented what happened in that game. Um, obviously, um, the way the Saints handled that game and the way they went after Brett was just uncalled for. And they obviously come out and admit it. And and you know, then then the overtime where you know we literally changed the NFL rule the next year, where now both teams get a chance to get the football because um, that was the last game played in the NFL where if you scored a field goal or any sort of point in the first possession, you could win. Um, so that's pretty incredible, that change. Obviously, um, you know, the Seattle game outdoors at TCF, um, you know, will go down as one of the hardest losses, you know, certainly in, in Vikings history. Um, the 2015 season was a magical season. We really had come together as a football team. We were really doing a lot of great things. Um and, you know, the way Teddy Bridgewater was playing, obviously we know what happened with his career shortly after that the next year. So really kind of just a, just a, a game that sent us in a horrible direction, to be honest with you. Um, but here we are, you know, then Blair goes wide left and, you know, just, just absolutely, you know, we were playing good, could have went down south. I think we'd had the Panthers, maybe we went out west to the Niners, but Either way, we had a great chance to go win that next football game, but it just wasn't meant to be for us. And, and uh, you know, Blair's a good guy, great kicker. He makes that kick all the time, just uh, not in that instance. So, yeah, tough situation. So the playoffs, man, they're fun. They're different. It's an absolute different different experience. Um, it's a different speed of game. It's an incredible opportunity, but it is a challenge, and, and obviously we had, we had some hard losses. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan. I've had my fair share of hard losses in the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I get it, but I can't imagine how it is as a player. And I remember watching that Blair Walsh game. I was just sitting on the couch, and I just had my hands on my head. I'm like, what? How, how does that happen? But, you know, it's game of inches, football is. And, you know, there's a million things that could go wrong at any time. And at that time, something did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at it, you know, football is a game of inches, as you said. It's a game of just, you know, the ball's oblong for a reason, right? And uh, it makes take some crazy bounces and some crazy things happen. Obviously, the weather was a factor there. Um, it was inc incredibly cold. I think it was negative three-degree wind chill. Uh, it was a, just 
just a it was a special special day in a lot of ways and I always like to say that you know hard losses um, sometimes can be great memories too because of the situation you were in you know for me growing up in the small town I grew up in and obviously being a part of you know a playoff game and being in the NFL was was so incredible that uh, it's hard to look at even a playoff loss and be like that's a negative thing um, but it is a hard way to lose that's for sure. Yeah, I only have one more Minnesota Vikings question, and then we're going to talk about what you're doing today because you're doing some amazing stuff. After you, that, you had a very successful career with the Vikings, cementing yourself as a legend for the team. What would making the Vikings Ring of Honor mean to you? Yeah, I think for my my NFL career, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be a Hall of Fame player. Um, you know, I think in my NFL career, beyond becoming a Hall of Famer, really the next greatest honor you could achieve, in my opinion, would be the Ring of Honor for the team you played for, uh, to be sort of um, enshrined as one of the greatest players that's ever played for the organization. Uh, you know, I think if I ever got to have that honor, it would be it would be incredible. Uh, it'd be emotional. It'd be uh, something that, um, you know, I would look to as, as being clearly my crowning achievement of my career. Um, you know, I just think it's a it shows you that you know, longevity, loyalty, um, you know, obviously being a good player, um, it, it all means something. And I think for me to, to be enshrined someday, hopefully, uh, would be incredible. It would be an incredible opportunity. It's a great organization um, to be a part of it for so long and, and uh, to statistically do well. You know, to, to have your name enshrined in anything forever would be pretty incredible. I'll tell you what, you're, you're super humble. I think it's no-brainer that you get in. Whether it's within the next five years, I think that's a lock. Uh, you mentioned loyalty. You played for the Vikings for your entire career. You're a Midwest guy. Did you ever consider leaving them, or were there ever like contract negotiations that weren't going great at the time, and you thought, okay, hey, maybe I'm playing somewhere else next year? Yeah, I mean, I signed a five year deal coming out of college, so I mean, that was that deal was, um, you know, you kind of stuck into that deal whether better or worse. And for me, it was a great situation because the Vikings were a team that I wanted to play for a team that the system fit me well, uh, gave me a ton of opportunities. Uh, and then I was, I was franchised um, after I played out that five-year deal. So before I got a chance to get to free agency in March, um, I was franchise tagged uh, in February. And so basically you're playing on a one-year deal. I signed that deal and in hopes that we could get a long-term contract done. I ended up signing that long-term contract with the Vikings later that fall uh, in August and signed another five-year deal. So, um, I played, uh, I played all the way until about my fourth year of that contract. So it'd been year nine. And they approached me to ask me to take a pay cut based off just age, what they thought to be level of play. And I, and I had actually thought I was coming off one of my better seasons. So I was frustrated. Um, and I could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. And just, and went to training camp and, they could have cut me. Something could have happened. They could have released me. I could have become a free agent. Uh, but it just wasn't the way I wanted my career to go. I mean, I was already my ninth year in. I'm 30, 30, 31 years old. And I knew at that point, you know, a 31-year-old linebacker who's not rushing the quarterback or getting sacks, you know, because I'm obviously, a, you know, an off-the-ball backer, um, the value isn't really there. So financial value, but also the value from another organization to say, you know, is, is Jacksonville or Indianapolis or – another organization going to care about Chad Greenway and his family more than the Vikings. And I just thought the answer was no. You know, I thought that um, I was here, you know, Minnesota, I thought um, enjoyed me playing here, you know, playing, being a part of the team. I loved being here. Um, financially, it made, you know, still made some sense to be here. 
So we decided to stay. I took, I accepted the pay cut with some restructuring and uh, ended up financially even being a better decision for me in, in the long run. I played in the 11th season. I basically ended up getting all those dollars back. And not that it was about the money, but it was more about just me saying, hey, you know what? I am worth this um, and I'm going to go earn it and show you. And so it's kind of indicative really of kind of my whole upbringing and my mentality is, you know what? I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to earn it. And I earned that whole deal. Um, it just took me one extra year to do it, uh, but I got it. And uh, so to me, being able to retire on my own terms, when I decided to tire, retire, um, you know, it was just, it, it was really a blessing. Now that I'm on the backside of my career, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice to know that I did it on my terms. I got to leave the game when I decided to leave the game. And it's such a rare thing to have that. So very proud of that. Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, leaving the game on your own terms. Not a lot of players get to do it. You were one of them that were able to do it. So that's really special. What are your thoughts on, like, the franchise tag as a whole for, like, players, from, like, a player standpoint? Because there's a lot of people who don't like it. You know, I looked at it as an opportunity. You know, I think that you have to look at most things in life is you can decide to pout. You can decide to do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, you know, if I decide that, um, I'm not going to sign that because um, I'm looking out more for me. I just think it brings bad karma, bad omen onto you as a human, as a, as a person. Um, it's not who I wanted to be seen as from in the public's perspective or even my own family's. Um, so I said, you know what, I'll sign this. And I'm going to come in. I'm going to go full speed ahead and, um, you know, let, let the chips fall where they may. I was always going to bet on myself. Um, obviously there's always a risk of injury and that could go in a horrible direction. You don't want that. But I also looked at it as, you know, when you get a one-year deal, uh, as the top five highest paid at your position, you know, it's also an opportunity to put a lot of money in the bank and, and, uh, secure some of your future. And I, and I wanted to accept that and took it. So, and I, I never really had any reservations about that. I was just, you know, full speed ahead. Let's sign this thing. I'm going to bet on myself as a player and it worked out. That's incredible. Well, hey, you're bringing a lot of like my Midwest lingo out right now in this conversation because you're also from the Midwest, obviously. So it's just it's just coming out. And I mentioned before that you're a big Midwest guy. We say a lot of the same words like bag, boats, puppy chow. But where I'm from, we play a game called Duck, Duck, Goose. Where you're from, you play a game called Duck, Duck, Gray Duck. This leads me to my next topic, Gray Duck Spirits, the company you co-founded in 2018. What is it and what's the inspiration behind it? Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, uh, in South Dakota, I grew up playing Duck, Duck, Goose as well. Um, there we go. But, you know, in, yes. in Minnesota, <laughs> in Minnesota, my kids grew up playing Duck, Duck, Gray Duck. It's a real thing. People do it. My kids did it. They still do it. Um, and it's fun. Um, you know, we founded, we founded Gray Duck Spirits in 2018. Um, it was just, a, a, you know, a few buddies that had gotten together basically to watch the Vikings game and, when Kyle Rudolph scored that touchdown in Soldier Field and they played Duck, Duck, Gray Duck, it sort of sparked this, um, I guess, national argument about what was right and what was wrong. And we realized that Minnesota was very unique in this idea of playing Duck, Duck, Gray Duck. And it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you, know, you, never, you rarely see a duck and a goose really hanging out together. They're always kind of separated, you know, he's, and I just don't see it. So um, the reality is, is we started this company with really no knowledge of the industry at all. Um, and it's been a massive learning curve. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it's We've seen great growth, ups and downs, um, but we've seen a brand brought to life from nothing uh, 
to be, you know, to be the vodka of the Minnesota Twins, uh, to be the official vodka of the Minnesota Vikings, um, you know, to see us climb that ladder and do it the hard way and build relationships and create a network um, has been really incredible, really fun. And it's also been rewarding in a sense of, again, kind of the underdog, right? Is, yeah, we have, you know, I played in the NFL and I have a, a great network of people here in Minnesota, but that doesn't help you much in the, in the alcohol industry. So uh, we've taken great elk spirits now and we've expanded it. We have, uh, we have our vodka, which is our flagship. We have great elk seltzer, which is, um, has a variety of different flavors and variety packs um, that are very good. Um, we have a pre-batch cocktail called muddled. You can just pour on ice and drink. Uh, we just launched last week, a spiked nitro cold brew with caribou coffee. Um, which is an incredible product we are so excited about, and that is expanding like crazy. So um, our our goal is to just continue to impact the market, continue to make a difference. And um, every time we run a specialty bottle or a specialty label, um, we're doing kickback to the community. And uh, we've, we've given back about $450,000 to Minnesota over the last four years. So that'll, that's always part of things that we do, and it's always important to us. So, um, you know, it's fun to build a brand. It's fun to bring something to life that that was no, that was nothing, and um, it's the first time I've owned a business, first time I've been a part of a business, so it's been very rewarding. Okay, so we're going to talk about you loving your communities because I don't know if anybody loves their community as much as you. No matter where you're at, you're always giving back. But I want to keep talking about your entrepreneurial spirit. What's your favorite part about being an entrepreneur, business owner? Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the ND Scorefeed app, uh, the high school sports app that you guys have in North Dakota. Um, I'm, I'm also an owner in that. And uh, so my entrepreneurial spirit is sort of um, is, is in the high, is, it's in things that I like and have to be a part of it. So uh, I do think that being an entrepreneur is it's betting on yourself. It's, it's lean into the fact that um, sometimes you don't know or have all the answers. Um, and, uh, you have to go and you have to fight and scratch and claw, build relationships and, and work hard. And I think that's really what can I love about it. That's incredible. Let's talk about your communities. Now you've been big on supporting communities that you've been a part of, whether it's an annual charity golf tournament in Minnesota or working with the university of Iowa Stead family children's hospital. Why is contributing to your community so important to you? And also congrats on receiving the distinguished alumni award from Iowa. Thank you. Yes. Um, you know, I think giving back is just part of my fabric of who I am. I mean, obviously a Midwest kid like you, I mean, my parents gave back in different ways. You know, we had a family farm as I talked about earlier and that family farm was, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money or didn't have a lot of time, but they had resources like meat. So they, they would harvest a, a pig um, every season and donate that meat to a church that they could give out to the families in need. And I think just that spirit of give back, that spirit of community, which I grew up around in a small town, um, was all about giving back, all about helping your neighbor. Um, if, if there was a sick family member and, and they needed help with the harvest, all the farmers would come together and help with that harvest. I mean, it was just one of those things where you bought in to the community spirit. I think when I came to Minnesota, you know, I wanted to create something bigger than football. And uh, we started a foundation in 2008. It really became really big in 2010. And we used that platform of the NFL that, you know, I was given and gifted uh, as an NFL player to expand and help the community. And we've, uh, as you mentioned, we've helped, you know, hundreds of thousands of families and kids. Um, it's been such a blessing to work with all these great hospitals and clinics and families that we can make an impact with and in different ways and had to meet, have gotten to meet so many um, great people along the way that have impacted our lives. And uh, we had an event last night, actually, one of our 
fundraising events um, at Manny's downtown Minneapolis, uh, the great steakhouse that um, supports our tender heart luncheon, which is a, a, a brunch and luncheon. It's a day for, for moms with sick kids that have either lost a kid or have a kid, you know, going through illness um, or are fighting a long a lifelong battle of illness. So it's really special to be a part of something like that. And I think, you know, it'd be really short sighted to go through an NFL career and have people only talk about you because of football, because that's fleeting. That's going to go away, you know, unless you're in the hall of fame, unless you're in the ring of honor, which is things that are just so hard to do. Um, you know, people are going to say, Oh yeah, I remember when he played for the Vikings. So it's like, okay, well maybe we can talk about the impact he made when he was there. Maybe we can talk about the community that he impacted the kids that he helped the families that he helped all the while for me, uh, quite honestly, selfishly, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm helping my kids grow and learn what it is to give back and truly give back in a way where you can make an impact and care. And I think as a dad, that's really important to me as well. That's great. You've made some great contributions on the field and even better ones off the field. Um, side note, I recently just learned how to pronounce uh, the town Wyzetta, Minnesota, where you do your golf tournaments. <laughs> so it, it took me a little bit. It only took me having some buddies playing baseball against them to figure it out. I think I said Wayzata or whatever the first time. Uh, so that was a learning yeah, curve, yeah. but I got it down, and I wanted to make sure I, I let you know that. I know how to pronounce it now. Uh, I held off on your Lead the Way Foundation because I feel like it's been your greatest contribution you've made. What's its purpose, and what are some of the events and programs that you've done with it? You kind of touched on that already. Yeah, but... I just – yeah, I mean, just like I said, I mean, so we have the biggest program we probably have that's the most widespread um, is our locker program. Um, so we're our locker is in 12 different hospitals from Fargo, Sioux Falls, over to Hudson, Wisconsin, as far south as Iowa City. And then regionally, a lot of the hospitals here in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And what we do is we put an NFL sized locker room in these hospitals. And basically how it works is anybody who's at the hospital getting treatment, whether it be a family member, um, a kid, uh, a parent, you can go into that locker and you can um, basically check out um, that that technology like a like a book. So we have iPads, we have games, you know, we have game stations, we have um, digital cameras, we have laptops. If you need to do emails and work, we have all these different technology that we all kind of take for granted sometimes because we think that everybody has these things. And in a lot of cases, either you don't have it at all, don't have access to it. Or maybe you, in the situation you're in, you just don't have it with you. So we we offer that. We have our tender hunt luncheon um, that we do. We host a football camp um, out in Hutchinson, Minnesota, that gives back to the community out there. So we're doing a number of different events that are great. We've built, uh, I think, four or five playgrounds now, um, fully accessible um, for IV racks and fully accessible to uh, wheelchairs. So um, just getting behind the community and finding ways to impact kids and families, uh, to me, is um, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be time. You know, that's what we had. We had the opportunity with a with a great network of people to put together a foundation. But if you're out there looking for something to do, there are so many folks that need help. There's so many folks that need um, resources. There's so many folks that need mentors. Um, so you know, go out there, find somebody to help out, and it'll make it'll make a bigger impact on you than anybody. It's no brainer how why you were up for Walsh Payton Man of the Year in your career. I love hearing all this, these things you're doing for your communities. Thank you so much for your work. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, it's been a big part of our life, and it's fun to have it be that way. Yeah, well, hey, is there anything else you want to touch on before we end this episode? No, just I appreciate you having me on. It's been a, it's been a joy and an honor, and, and uh, yeah, let's do this again sometime. 
for sure. Let's do it. Hey, maybe, maybe next time you're in Fargo, we can set something up and do a little in-person. That would be awesome. That would be cool. I like Uh, that. That's all I have for you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. And I'm your host, Brooks Huber, signing off until next week. I'll see you guys all later. Thanks for listening to For the Athlete. As always, be on the lookout for another athlete appearance next week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and wherever you listen to podcasts.